Welcome to the City Life Lansing podcast. You are loved, you belong, and you have a unique purpose from God. You can connect with us at citylifelansing.com. You belong here. Here's today's message. Jeez, now that we got the uh, comedic relief out the way, I'm going to go ahead and introduce myself and get us started. My name is Chris Cadogan. I am delighted to be able to share the message with you guys today. Um, I want to give a big shout out to the people that do all this stuff to make this experience amazing. I joke about these videos, but if you knew the hours that they put into these videos, you would know that it's inappropriate for me to joke. I want to give a big shout out to Kay Ray. Kay Ray is one of the people that helps out with a lot of the visual art stuff. She also is the person that accepts the notes when you're preaching and she gives you a great timeline. And sometimes if you turn that time, uh, turn your notes in a little bit late, she'll still be gracious with you because I turned mine in a little bit late. So um, friends, I'm gonna go ahead and get it started today and I'm gonna do something that's a little bit different, um, I think for our church. And that is, I would like to invite us to stand for the reading of the scriptures. I took it back there. Uh, for those of you who are unfamiliar with a practice like this, it's about showing reverence. We believe that the scriptures are the word of God. Um, so it's a cool opportunity. If you want to sit, sit. Feel free. Feel free. Um, here it goes. I'm going to go ahead and I'll be reading out of Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. You don't got to read. Just, just listen. Here we go. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit... If any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, being humbled, or he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Amen. Folks, I want us to go ahead. You can take a seat. I'm going to go ahead and pray for us real quick. Hey, Lord God, man, I just thank you for the opportunity to share the message with our church, Lord. Um, we thank you for your word, to be able to engage with it, to be able to learn from it, and to be able to do so in community, Lord. Um, we pray that you would just uh, bless this message, Lord, and just move all distractions from us today, Lord, so that we can enter deeply into what you have to say to us today, Lord. And we pray um, that these things would kind of grip closely to our heart and help guide us through the week. In the name of, Je in the name of Jesus, the church said, Amen. all right. Hey, friends. Hey, friends. Listen, um, as a church, we have been going through a series called We Are, um, and the series has been all about our foundations, our rooted beliefs, the core tenets. It's like our mission statement. And having a series like that is really helpful to me. I'm a person who likes to read books and think about really complex ideas. But what I find time after time for my life is that it's the basics that I actually live out. 
Um, I'm a person that loves to engage with the cool podcasts, but the things that I'm actually living out are those more basic beliefs. And so this is a series to call us back to that. Um, I will be going and continuing in this series. My portion of the series is going to be called We Are Disciples with a Purpose. There's a subheading to the purpose of discipleship and the posture of Christ. I like subheadings. Um, I'll be in the book of Philippians. I'll be making this argument that our primary purpose as disciples of Christ is to live in radical community by serving one another in the same manner in which Christ served the church and in doing so, revealing to the world the beauty of the kingdom of God. So it's gonna be a little bit different of a take on purpose. A lot of times we think about our purpose individually. Am I gonna go to college or not? Am I gonna get a job as a teacher or not? I'm gonna make the argument, I'm gonna submit to you that our purpose primarily is about our lives together. All right, that's a lot. But as a teacher, I wanna set out an outline for you. First thing I'm gonna do is I'm gonna cite my sources. I was really influenced by a couple of different thinkers. I've been reading a great New Testament scholar named Michael Gorman for about two years. The book is not that long, but it's just heavy. Um, and it's been taking me a long time. The book is called Participating in Christ. His focus is on Paul. If you wanna learn more about Paul and his ministry, check out that book. I've also been influenced by Dr. King, but Dr. King's mentor, my God, his name is Howard Thurman. He has a book called, um, the, what is it called again? Oh yeah, Jesus and the Disinherited, classic. Read it three summers ago. Still, there's a lot of nuggets in there for you to dig out. Um, N.T. Wright, New Testament scholar, great dude. If you have a question, he's a great person to just, what does N.T. Wright think about this on Google? And literally, just great stuff pops up, like ChatGPT. Do not use ChatGPT for your papers. Um, last but not least, um, I cannot talk about this organization enough, um, Bible Project. They have an app. If you're looking, a way to, looking for a way to 10x your Bible study in your alone time or with your small group, check out the app, Bible Project app. It's just great. It's just a great resource. Um, all that to be said, I have organized today's message into three different parts. I call these parts reflections. The first part, or the first reflection rather, I've called our purpose. In it, we're gonna discuss the purpose of discipleship in Philippians 2. Um, I'll make the argument again that for Christians, our purpose is to live in kingdom communities where we live in unity. Reflection two, our path to purpose. And we're gonna talk through verses 5, 11, and it's gonna lay out for us that the way that we become kingdom communities is by having Christ's mind. We're going to go to reflection three. Reflection three is where we're just going to talk about the challenges that come up as we try to do that and maybe some practical solutions to overcoming them. And then we'll close. I'm going to say may you at some point in time. The worship team is going to know to come up at that point in time. Just good vibes. All right, here we go. So a little bit of background. Um, we're going to be digging into the book of Philippians. Things that you need to know. Philippians was written by Paul. Paul was an apostle. Apostle is a cool word that was used to basically explain 
um, how people went to certain communities and they started Christian enclaves. That was Paul's job. And he, he was an apostle, but he spent most of his time in non-Jewish spaces. And because of that, he often received a good amount of flack, which ended up with him getting jammed up in, in prison. Um, but Paul was not unique in the fact that he was often in prison. In fact, a lot of people in the early church were in prison. And one of the reasons was because Christianity at that time ran into stark contrast to the prevailing like Jewish establishment. Like Jews really didn't like him at that time or other Christians at that time because of their belief that Jesus was the Messiah. It was heresy to the Jews. But they also were unliked by Romans because Christians oftentimes disrupted the Roman way of life. That's the context that Paul is writing his letter to the Philippians. There's a lot of things you might think he might have written to this church, but this is what he actually writes. Verse two, he says, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit, one in spirit and one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility, value others above yourselves not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. You know, what's interesting about Paul's comments in this passage is that he's writing as a man that's in prison, and yet you would think that what he would be trying to do is convince his church, bro, y'all need to go into politics. We need to figure out a way to make more Christian-friendly policies so that we obviously don't get jammed up. That makes sense, right? You would also think that he may have told the brothers and Christians in Philippi who had Jewish roots, you guys need to do a better job of currying favor with the other Jewish elites. Figure out a way for us to get our doctrine in the latest Jewish times. Paul didn't do that. Because for Paul, the most important message for the church was for the church to be unified. Paul's challenge here. In Galatians, in Ephesians, to a greater extent, and Philemon is not about changing, changing the world necessarily. In fact, Paul is not even prime, primarily concerned with getting folk to heaven, radical. But rather, the bulk of Paul's writing is focused on ensuring that Christians interact rightly with one another, that we treat one another well. It's not because Paul believed that Christians are to be really tight cliques that only care about themselves. Paul knew that God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Rather, this is because Paul believed that when Christians set aside their differences, when they lay down their ego, when they lay down their agenda and gather together on one accord in unity under Jesus, they resemble the presence. They activate the presence of Jesus in the world and pockets of the kingdom literally touch the earth. For Paul, these kingdom communities were not a secondary answer, but they were the answer to all the problems of the world. Here's a practical example. I am an educator in the Lansing School District. Give it up for Lansing School District. I saw some of y'all. You know, I know some of y'all went to 
Hope. Y'all went to Waverly. Oh, what's, what's L.E.? Oh, let's go, Quake Nation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm a proud Lansing school district educator, um, but bigger than that, I'm a public school advocate. Um, I've got some beliefs about what public education offers our democracy, America. I believe that one of the things that public education is good for, if you guys didn't come here for this, it's okay. It's okay. Let me just, let me do my thing real quick. Um, one of the beliefs I have about public schools is that public schools serve anybody and everybody, regardless of their religious background, regardless of uh, their disciplinary record, their criminal record, their social economic status, everything. Public schools are just hallmarks of our democracy. Boom. I live in community, though, where brothers and sisters who send their kids to charter schools, who send their kids to online schools, brothers and sisters who graduated from home schools. It's okay for us to disagree. <laughs> and we do disagree in a lot of ways. But what's interesting about this is that we can disagree, but it's important that our differences don't lead to division. Watch this, because as Christians, we believe that whatever the solution is for education, whatever the solution is for world hunger, for economics, for segregation, for our city, is ultimately only achieved through the presence of Christ. And Philippians suggests to us that the primary mode, the primary mode of Christ's presence in the world is the body of Christ. This is where you come in. That's you. That's you. We together at our best. We are not only just this cool people with, you know, Walmart sweaters and stuff like that. We are literally the body of Christ. We are Jesus's presence. You ever think about that? That's nuts. We pray to that guy all the time. But let that sink in because maybe that really shifts the way you think about that interaction that you had on Twitter the other day. When you got a little impatient in the parking lot, the church parking lot. <laughs> you are the presence of Christ. That's weighty. Friends, I want to go to our next reflection, and I'm going to, I've been doing a lot of bad teaching right now, um, which means we're doing some sit and get. You've been listening to me. I want to have some opportunity for some engagement. And I'm going to ask you guys a couple of questions for this first one. I want you just to just raise your hand. So really quickly, raise your hand if you've ever had a roommate before. By roommate, I mean maybe uh, a best friend that you lived with in college. Um, maybe it was random dude from Craigslist, you know, or maybe that family downstairs when you thought you were taking your wife to an Airbnb, but they're just there <laughs> making breakfast. Like, bro, why are you here? Um, but anyway, so yeah, so a lot of people have had roommates this next part is going to get a little touchy. Raise your hand if you've ever had a bad roommate experience. Okay, look, look. For this next part, I want y'all to be really thoughtful about how y'all answer this question. Fellas, I see some of y'all next to the ladies, and I pray that that is not your wife and roommate, because you, your wife is not a roommate. So she, just, just be careful, okay? 
my next question for you is this. You guys can go ahead and shout out your responses. Be thoughtful, though. Be thoughtful. We're in a church. What made that roommate experience so bad? The dishes. Come on, y'all got some more experiences. They didn't pay the bills on time. The utilities or the actual rent? Oh, my. What else? Come on. Lack of cart. Can you explain, sister? Clearly labeled. Clearly labeled. My groceries. Why are you eating them then? Okay. One more thing. Give me one more thing. What else we got? They didn't clean the bathroom. It, listen, if you're going to take a seat on the throne, <laughs> going to take a seat on the throne, or, or like if, if the bathroom is in public space, go upstairs, bro. You're not about to just hit it with a nuclear bomb, walk away, act like you don't see us just congregating in the living room. <laughs> All right, yeah, I went too far on that one. Um, listen, listen, I want to say this. What if I told you that Jesus wants you to have more experiences like that? Yeah. You see, if we are truly to be kingdom communities, that means that we're going to have to spend more time with each other and not the saved and sanctified versions of ourselves. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, saints. Can you say hallelujah with me? All right, all right, all right. Yes. Again, the point is God wants us to spend more time with each other. And we're going to have to navigate the intricacies and the nuances of ourselves. I'm a really hyper person on Sunday. Um, but if you ask my wife, I am antisocial at home. My kids, if I am watching the Pistons, don't talk to me. Don't talk to me. Yeah, correct, correct. I need to be sanctified. I need to be sanctified. And listen, but I'm not the only one. Paul recognizes the difficulty of this task. In his travels, he saw everything from incest to infidelity, incarceration, everything but Instagram. And from that experience, he deduced that the only way for us as Christians to properly relate and live to one another, live with one another, to actually activate our purpose was by taking on the mind of Christ. In verses 511, Paul recites what theologians uh, call the Christ poem. And this poem is beautiful. It's stuffed with a lot of heavy theology. Um, but I believe this verse or these set of verses make for a really cool guide to how to actually activate the mind of Christ. If we can just go ahead and put up the... Um, Christ poem slide. I'm not going to read it all. We read it a little bit earlier. Yeah, it's long. It's long. Um, just put up the first part if you could. So verses five and six, because it starts at verse five. Verses five and six, I believe, are about identity. See, Jesus understood his identity. And most importantly, he understood his purpose. And that his purpose was not to hold on to his power, but release it. So he had no qualms to step down and humble himself and become a man. That's why it's vital. Here's the implication. It's vital for us to also know our purpose, to know who we are, to know whom we are. 
Because too often our relationships with one another are foiled by insecurities. And time that could have been spent growing together is spent on posturing, trying to prove ourselves, trying to be the greatest. But friends, we don't have to be the greatest because we serve the greatest. Verses seven through eight, I believe, are about humility. I'm gonna go back to Howard Thurman. Howard Thurman, again, the mentor of Dr. King, he argued that Jesus could have entered into the world as a Roman emperor, but instead he chose to be a citizen of an occupied country and a poor carpenter who washed the feet of prostitutes and fishermen. That's our savior. A key implication of that is this. Christian community demands that we follow Christ's example in our interaction with one another. Dispense of our ego and our sense of entitlement. It's time for us to seek to listen rather than to be listened to. To seek to understand rather than to be understood. Seek to serve rather than to be served. Some countercultural stuff. Finally, verses 9 through 11, I believe, is about the idea of being faithful. Maybe not necessarily effective. Jesus existed within a different story. One where the weak, where the strong, where the poor, where the rich, where the Messiah King was crucified. And here's the thing. Jesus believed in that story, but he still felt agony and anxiety the night before he was supposed to be crucified. But he chose to go through it anyways because he knew that by laying down his life, he would still be lifted up either way. I think sometimes choosing to live in kingdom, community, kingdom communities with one another, it may not be the most glorious thing or the most effective way to accomplish your dreams, but choosing to serve people may also not be the most efficient use of your talents. Yet the call is to be faithful, not effective, knowing that Jesus lived in a different story. And ultimately, by you lowering yourself, not seeking to be lifted up, that Jesus will do that work for you. That's what we're invited into. Finally, I'm going to land the plane pretty soon. Reflection three. Reflection three is about getting practical. I spent most of today just talking about how God calls us. Our purpose is to be in Christian community together. I spent a lot of time just now talking about how once we get into community, we're supposed to take on the mind of Christ. But it's not lost on me that this is not the first time you've heard the pitch to get involved in church, join a small group, become a deeper part of the family of God. A lot of us has actually ran this scenario through before. And as I'm saying this, I'm recognizing that the call to do something like this, that when I say your purpose is to be in the body of God and get closer and connected, that some of us hear that amidst the context of having a lot of church hurt. So much of it that the mere mention of having to be vulnerable in front of Christians is a nightmare and will have you running the other way. Other of us hear the invite to get deeper into the family of God with the backdrop of, I can't even interact properly with my own family. 
how could I join another family? Then there's other of us uh, who, we did this before, we've been here for a grip. We're navigating what I call church exhaustion. We got involved in this, that, 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 all before we turned 15. And we are gassed. There is very little capacity to do any more. But yet, if the purpose of Christ is that we do more, the ask is to continue to dive deeper into that. What I want to say to you is this. Um, it's not going to be satisfying, but I do think it's true. Um, I think there are three things, three things that we just got to focus on if we're trying to activate this purpose. Number one, we got to read the word, folks. So often we come to Christian communities with these other narratives, these other scripts that are guiding our interactions with the church. Sometimes we find ourselves more influenced by the gospel of Joe Rogan than Jesus. I'm not taking shots at anybody's podcast. It's just, I listened to this article. It's like 10% of all podcast downloads. So that's why I said that one. But the word is a overarching narrative. Only when we read that narrative can we actually see ourselves properly in the community of Christ. You are going to continue to be or try to be great if you don't really know that Jesus, the greatest person of all time, laid his life down. Number two, we have to, we have to, and this is straight to me, we have to make more space in our life to meditate, pray. And I say that meditate word intentionally. You need to get next to God and shut up. You got the prayer part. This is the part where you listen. It's a version of praying, but get next to God and shut up. One of the ways we call this is tending, tending to the voice of God. That's time for silence. You may not get nothing. But did you make time to listen just as surely as my wife says, you're not listening to me. I'm sorry for making fun of you, but I didn't mean to do that. But you need to make space to do that. What's so interesting, what's so interesting is I wear this what would Jesus do bracelet all the time. And unfortunately, it's become a, a, an idol in some ways because I think often it represents the very thing that I do wrongly all the time. And that is, I simply ask, what would Jesus do? And then I figure it out. I got this, God. I got it. I'm smart. I, too, have the Holy Spirit in a great brain. I got this. The wager of the Christian is that we believe in a living God. Yes, he took a hell. He got crucified. But that guy rose again. And he longs to live in communion with us. He longs to have a word with you. He's saying, hey, 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 talk to me. We have to make margin in our life whereby God can come in and say something because he's here. Glad you got here somehow, but he's been here. Talk to him. Here's that final point. We got to do this together. Here's the other problem. I'm glad you got the Bible Project app that I just told you to download. But, sir, ma'am, you weren't called to do this alone. What gave you the ability to just rightly discern this word by yourself? When Jesus rode with a crew of disciples everywhere he went, every 
where he went unless he had to get some alone time. You don't know. We need one another. We can only be ourselves when we are with one another. And here's the thing that I got to say about that. I think the tough part is, is that we have these visions of grandeur. When I think about, I remember the first time, because I, I listen to Christian hip-hop all the time. And they used to talk about community, community. And in my mind, I had this vision of a mass movement of Christians marching down Kalamazoo Street looking like the Nation of Islam and Malcolm X. That's a reference, I know. That's a reference. That's cool and all. But remember that Jesus started with a crew of 12. And prior to that, he rolled with a crew of one. And then his hard-headed brother. Come over here, Peter. Dang. I want you guys to know this. There's the capital C church. Uh, there's the lowercase C church. Both are great. Church can be what you do with one friend at coffee. It can be that regular weekly phone call. I'm just tapping in, bro. What's good with you? How are we doing right now? All right, you've been talking a lot about your business. How's your soul doing? Mother Teresa is cited as saying, it's not about great things, but rather small things with great love. The call to your purpose is to be kingdom communities. That might not mean all of this all the time. It may mean just pressing in with your homeboy, your homegirl. I'll end um, with this worship team. You guys can come up now. As you leave here and you get ready to get consumed by the demands of the good work that you plan to do at your job or jump into the stressors that you encounter from seeking to be an amazing parent, a son or daughter or spouse, I want you to pause and remember that you don't have to do any of this alone. In fact, you can't. God has not made you to traverse the struggles of your life by yourself. Know this, that you are not inconveniencing the body of Christ by saying, I need help. Rather, you are calling the body of Christ to live out its purpose. Today, may you, may we live out our purpose and be the body. Let's go ahead and pray. Hey, Lord God, man, we just thank you again, 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 again for entrusting us, entrusting us with the ministry of being your body to the world, with the task of figuring out how to love each other better. It's easy to say the words, Lord, but we wouldn't be in the predicaments that we find ourselves in life if we knew how to do it, Lord. What we do right now is we ask you for your spirit, Lord, because we know that this is not primarily a knowledge battle, but it's a battle of wills. And Lord, we wanna take these five seconds before everything starts to crowd our judgment to just submit, to make room for you to tell us to whom are we called, to remind us who has made us, Lord, help us to rest in that. In the name of Jesus, we pray.
Amen. If you could go ahead and stand, go ahead and worship.
thank you for who you are, God. We thank you, Lord, God, for our purpose in you. God, we thank you for our brothers and sisters in Christ. God, we thank you for the community that we have in each other. God, and it's all because of the work that you've done, Jesus. Thank you. God, help us to continue to love like you love and think like you think. Father God, help us to love each other, to serve each other. Father, may we be more like you, Father. God, we lift you up and we thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen.